So a taste of our, I mean, Armageddon <laughs> game is kind of a lackluster episode, I'd say. You know, I liked it. I, I, I think these two were better than what we had last week, but this was, you know, Whispers is certainly the better episode of the two. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting that these kind of are both dealing with stock Star Trek situations in a way, but, you know, taking them to a weird angle at the end. I mean, Armageddon game is, this is the kind of thing that like original series was doing. You know, we'd have, I mean, you have two groups who are really arguing over who has the dumbest hairstyle. And, you know, that was the kind of way that, you know, original series costumed, you know, and, you know, we've had... You know, that, again, it's a stock Star Trek situation. They go to a planet that's having two groups that are fighting. And, you know, for the most part, the episode thinks that it's one of the groups trying to take advantage of the other's trust in a way. We've seen that time and time again. And the fact that it turns out that, no, the two sides do trust each other completely. And they are very committed to the peace so much that they are going to, in a way, commit an atrocity in order to keep that peace. I mean... I think it was very interesting. You know, I thought it was interesting that the weapons that there. It. I thought this was going to be a nuclear disarmament episode because you know that's where it's starting off, and that's just kind of a MacGuffin in this episode. It's not really, you know, the point of it. Um, yeah, I think. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, you know we we'll have to talk about the resolution of the episode because I, I actually think that the 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 driving point of the entire episode really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But but we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I think that that it's interesting that, that you say that because. You know, I was looking ahead after I watched Whispers today, and I was looking at the third and the fourth season uh, Star Trek and Deep Space Nine to see what was coming up. And, and, and you know, I was kind of like, bam, I remember that episode. Yeah, that episode. You know, yeah, I remember that episode. I, all these episodes were crystallized in my head vividly. They're all really good episodes. You know, I mean, you know, certainly not every single episode yeah, yeah, yeah. in the third and fourth season is a classic, but they're just so much more fully realized and so much more they have so much more sort of like depth and flavor and personality that, you know, watching the second season on this rewatch and, and, and I don't know how you feel about it, but you know, we've, we've talked about it in the past about how you feel that the second season is feeling kind of long for whatever reason. You know, I, I just, the, the problem with a lot of these episodes is I don't remember them. Like there's a, there's yeah. a shocking twist at the end of whispers and I didn't remember it, you know? And it's that kind of thing where these episodes are just feeling they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination and they're not uninteresting episodes, but there's, there's something missing here. And, and I think what that is really is, is sort of the, the personality and the stamp that the show frankly hasn't developed yet. I think, you know, these episodes, and this is one of those weeks, again, where the two episodes we watched happen to have a lot to say to each other. They are both O'Brien episodes. They are both dealing with kind of a stock Star Trek plot. Um, you can see the show wants to be about Star Trek, wants to look at the dark side of, you know, the Federation, wants to look at, you know, Starfleet from a more gal galactic perspective. Um, I don't think it quite has the confidence to do that. And it's worried about what will happen if it critiques it too heavily, I think. Um, I, I think that's fair. And I, you know, the, the question I would ask you, though, is, you know, knowing knowing the reputation that the show has, and yeah. it's, it's difficult to talk about the future of the show, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's kind of a fruitful conversation. But, you know, I guess in that sense, you know, kind of stay tuned about that. But I think that, you know, what we're really seeing now is that there's there's a tension here, and that tension really is, I don't know why this show exists. Like, at this you point... You mean Deep Space Nine, yeah. Yeah, like, like the first season to me is is 
much more interesting than than the second season. Now I remember the first season probably because it's the first season, you know, yeah. and 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 that's going to stand out in your head for that reason. And it's also shorter, all of these reasons. The second season just has a slog of episodes that really just have. It feels uh, so long. Very little. Like I feel we've been in the second season forever. Yeah, they 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 have very little personality, and I think that. Uh, you know, again, I, they're not bad episodes by any stretch of the imagination, but I just don't think that they're uh, they're not quite there yet, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, they are taking they, they if they had wanted to just do a, you know, continue. OK, all of the actors from Next Generation were getting tired. They wanted to move on to other projects, you know. And all right, we're going to make another we'll make Star Trek the third generation and it'll be on a ship and we'll be dealing with like. If that had been what this show was, it would be fine if it wasn't doing anything in terms of pushing the envelope, in terms of, you know, if it was just another crew going on and finding aliens, you know, that would be fine. But this series in particular does have so much more than they And when the series is the best, like it was in, you know, Hands of the Prophets and the uh, three-parter at the beginning of the season, when the show is doing well, it's taking all of that weight that can exist and doing something very strong with it um yeah i i think that you know a large part of the problem with armageddon game and it, it's interesting because this was written by by morgan grendel who wrote the inner light and okay it's a much yeah. later episode than the inner light of course you know there's there's good stuff in this episode and we'll talk about it but i think that 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 the fundamental problem with this episode is that it feels like warmed over tng you know someone took you know this could have been data and jordy and, you know, it, it's it's taking the sort of plot that could have been told in TNG and it's going, oh, but what if the guy had a mustache? And it's like, yeah. oh, OK, that's fine. But, you know, there, there needs to be more of a there's there needs to be more of a personality. There needs to be more of a point of view. And I don't know what the point of view of Armageddon game is. Yeah, I, I, I it doesn't. As cheesy as it is, I like Star Trek when it has a little lesson at the end. Now, now in The Next Generation, it didn't always have a nice tight moral as, you know, the original series did. But it usually did, when it was at its best, ask a certain question and leave us when the episode was over to ponder the implications of that. And The Inner Light is a fantastic, you know, uh, example of that because after that episode, you know... That episode didn't really teach you anything, but it left you wondering a lot about its implications, you know? Sure. And here, I, I, what, what am I supposed to get from it? What, what am I supposed to draw? What questions am I supposed, you know? We, I think we, everybody agrees that, you know, nuclear and chemical warfare is very bad and we shouldn't do that. And, you know, I don't think that you should erase history in order, but, but the episode isn't sure whether it thinks that erasing the bad parts of history is a good thing or not you know the federation agrees that they need to purge these records but you know it doesn't agree with the people on the planet that killing everyone who knows about it is the right way to go so i don't know what it wants us to leave with you know yeah i think that's actually right and i think that's 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 really you know that's a really good statement because you're right. I don't know what any of this really means. This and, was, and, yeah, it's one. It's a little bit one of those. This is just a bunch of shit that happened kind of episodes, right? And if this was just a setup to get O'Brien and Bashir alone on a planet to have that relationship develop a little more, 
that's fine. I'm on board with that. Yeah. You know, I, I like O'Brien. I like Bashir. You know, they, they, they're getting pushed into situations, you know, more and more. You know, we see them kind of interact a little bit in the next episode as well. You know, we've seen them do the racquetball thing. We've seen them go on the Bajoran yeah. uh, 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 city and the storyteller from the first season. So they're sort of like you parsing know, that out. They're, you know, O'Brien is obviously, you know, I don't know if Bashir is breaking him down or, or what's happening here. But, you know, there seems to be a little bit more of a grudging respect between the two of them. I, I mean, I really like the way the actors have no chemistry in a way that, you know, like they're very good at playing two people who don't exactly like each other, but, you know, don't have any reason to dislike each other. They just would rather, you know, O'Brien more so than Bashir would rather just, you know, their relationship be nodding at each other in the hallway. And that's fine for O'Brien, you know, and, you know, they're very good at that. I mean, all of the character work in this episode I thought was great. And, you know, across the board, you know, again, the actors are getting very good at their characters. And usually, you know, when there is stuff, again, I, I think we said this last week, when the characters are just kind of bouncing off each other, the show is excellent. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that those are the strongest parts of the episode when, when Bashir and O'Brien are down on that planet, you know, and O'Brien yeah. is talking, you know, and of course, you know, they're ratcheting up the tension by having O'Brien contract the disease. Yeah, of course. You know, this is, this is, this is a good writerly technique, of course, because, you know, yeah. O'Brien thinks he's going to die and he's, you know, telling O'Brien, telling Bashir all of these things about Keiko and how much he loves her and blah, blah, blah. And that's all fine. I, I, I understand that O'Brien likes to put his penis in Keiko's vagina, but, <laughs> you know, it's just... It, it it it's for what reason is all of this other yeah. stuff in there you know it's it's too it's too convoluted of a plot to not add up to anything and and, and, and in a way the, this the, what, yeah this is kind of the opposite of uh, uh, uh the, the of rivals in a way where didn't have any plot you know yeah and you know if this had had you know if this had had less of a plot and rivals had had more of a plot they would have hit a medium that would have been pretty good yeah, right. Because, I mean, you could just have something entirely different happen where, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe there's some sort of uh, security measure that O'Brien trips that kills all of the aliens but leaves them alive and nobody can get into the station because the harvester broke. I mean, you know, you could, there's a lot of different ways you could do this that, that you know, if the, if the point of the episode is to examine the Bashir and O'Brien relationship, there's there's a better and simpler way to get there. Yeah. Uh, and, and this episode takes the longest, most convoluted way possible. I think that that you know if they want to take a TNG style story and put a spin on it and put a darker spin on it, I think that's great. I think that's interesting. You yeah. know, let's examine alien races with their own motivations and their own problems, and let's have the Federation not be the biggest baddest person in the room. Sometimes I, I like these these concepts in theory, but this episode doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's it. The show doesn't. When the show, so far when the show knows what to do with these themes and these characters, it almost feels a little like a fluke rather than, and and, and again, I uh, from I would say, the sh I assume the show gets its reputation because they eventually figure out how to do that kind of regularly sure. and, you know, more skillfully, but it's not there. I, I so f this season especially, everything, maybe it's felt so long because I felt like I've just been waiting for it to get really good. I mean, that's fair. And I think that, you know, it, it, it's even to the point where the episode doesn't seem interested in, in 
making these aliens distinct. I mean, you know, they're called the Talani and the Calorans. I don't know if they're supposed to be the same species. I don't know if they're a different species. The episode doesn't seem to have thought about this question at all. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, and, and, it, and it, but in a way which, you know, again, in the original series and to a degree in Next Generation, it didn't matter if it hadn't thought that out because obviously that's out. This is not an allegorical show, and yet these are allegorical aliens in the mode of the original. Well, yeah, because I think way. that that if you say anything else, I mean, TNG was not really an allegorical show. I mean, they they did things every once in a while, like the Survivors, for example, yeah. from season three. But but for the most part, you know, TNG was a much more grounded show in in a in a verisimilitude, whereas you know, and Deep Space Nine is in that same vein. And I think that yeah. you know, they need to they need to double down on that and make this feel more real, not less real. Yes. And, you know, yeah, because I can't figure out what either of these represent. If you're going to have the episode that does something symbol- symbolically, they have to symbolize something. They don't symbolize anything, you know? Yeah, they don't. We, we don't. The, the conflict is generic. We don't know anything. about yeah. it. We don't know anything about these aliens. We don't know if they're the same species or if they're a different species. We don't even know what these weapons do. We, we don't you know, there's a lot of a lot of questions that the episode is raising that it's not interested in answering. And again, that's fine. You know, like I don't need to know the the invented backstory of a society. You know, this isn't Game of Thrones. But at the same time, if you're going to construct a plot that is is in, incumbent on the end of it being this twist ending about the two alien yeah. species actually working together and they want to kill all of the scientists that could could recreate these weapons because they don't want them to ever be recreated again i mean okay but but i mean like that that that's something that very much categorize ca- ca- characterizes this species or the species that you know they invented this horrible bioweapon that's an extreme measure that's going to kill everyone it comes in contact with. And their solution to getting rid of it is kill everyone who came into contact with it. Like, that's a very strong theme that the episode doesn't seem to realize, you know? Yeah, it almost seems like an afterthought. You know, like, this is yeah. a, this is an alien species that obviously has a very different moral code and a very different sort of philosophy around that than, than the Federation does. And they don't do anything with it. You know, it's like yeah. the Federation, you know, Cisco gets to talk to them sternly and they're, they're like, well, we don't care. You know, like, if you two die and whatever, I mean, we've still killed everyone that can create these weapons. And for us, you know, killing two innocent people... Uh, I mean, really, everyone is innocent, but you know what I mean. Well, um, even yeah. even more innocent, I guess, Cisco and and Dax. If you're killing them, and you know you're killing uh, Bashir and O'Brien in the process, and all the other scientists are are dead, then I think that their sense of security is tr- is is trumping their their sense of guilt over killing these people. That's interesting. I mean, as well, I, yeah. but again, the episode doesn't do anything with it. I'm very interested in perhaps a species that's willing to. Uh, destroy you know go to war against the federation to protect this and unite in war against the federation but you know that that, that that's it they're gone you know and they don't really address it again yeah and and you know i i intimated earlier that i had kind of a problem with the resolution of this episode or perhaps the reason for why this is happening and you know frankly i don't know why bashir and o'brien even need to be killed because why would they know how to make these weapons um don't the federation have memory erasing technology also yeah that too <laughs> i mean there's like you know maybe you could make an argument that bashir knows how to make them because he had to learn how to make them to 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 destroy them but yeah why would o'brien know how to make them he's just sitting there to you know turn on you know muon program 458 i mean i you know there's it doesn't make any sense to me 
No, it doesn't. It's this, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me that this episode was written by M. Night Shyamalan. It's one of those kind of episodes in a way. Like, the twist has to be there because there has to be a twist. Maybe it would have been interesting if this just had been one group wants to, you know, take the advantage of the other and had this, you know, raid on the scientists to try and steal the weapon and at the end... You know, they just, you know, like that would have been a more interesting situation than what we have. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that maybe the last thing I, I, I want to talk about before we move on to, to Whispers is, you know, the Keiko stuff in the episode. And I, I, I like Keiko in the episode. I think that, yeah. you know, when they use, they use Keiko sparingly, but when they use her, I really like her character a lot. You know, you you really do get, I mean, when Cisco goes to her quarters to tell her that O'Brien has been killed, you know, you can kind of see the pain in her eyes. Yeah. And then she goes back to Cisco's office and then she's, you know, she says, no, he's not dead. And she's so insistent that she's not dead. And, and, you, I, you, and, and it says a lot, like we talked about this a bit in uh, Next Generation, whenever a character, you know, says I'm hearing weird voices or something odd is they immediately take it seriously. I mean, yeah, here we have, except for that one Jordy episode, but you know, here we have a woman who's insisting that her husband's not dead and she has the flimsiest of, in- of reasons why. And they immediately take it very seriously. You know, that says a lot about everybody, about their relationship to Keiko, about their relationship to O'Brien in a way that I really liked. And it says a lot about the strength of Keiko and O'Brien's relationship. And then of course the episode completely undercuts it in a completely unnecessary way by having that sitcom beat at the very end of it where O'Brien's like, I always drink coffee in the afternoon. What are you talking about, you crazy lady? It's like, yeah, come on, really? Did you I have know. to do that? You know, I thought, again, I thought all of the all of the characters reacting to, you know, we know that O'Brien and Bashir are not dead, but the way that, you know, but the characters don't and all of their different reactions. I mean, I loved that scene between you have Kira and Dax talking about, you know, his diaries and in general, and then you have Cork coming and, you know, he was a very good customer. They, you know, they always paid their bar tabs and, you know, it does come off as realizing, you know, from Cork, this is this expression of deep, you know, affection from him. And, you know, that there are some very yeah. sweet scenes, you know, that was very good. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, you know, I kind of liked that they're you know, getting, furthering that theme of, you know, Starfleet versus marriage. You know, here we have Bashir quite literally made the choice between getting married or joining Starfleet. Um, does that add anything to that theme? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting in the level of, of, of character stuff, and I think that it kind of, you know... They're, they're, they do more with the idea of O'Brien as an, as an enlisted man and, and yeah. not an officer. You know, like, that's not really something that TNG ever did a whole lot with, but they do more of that in this episode. And there is kind of a sense of O'Brien as more of the everyman. You know, I also like the fact, you know, there's little details, like, at the very end of, of Armageddon game, you know, O'Brien is... Um, you know, well, no, sorry, at the beginning of it, when he's at the station, like he's dodging phaser fire and he's firing back and he does yeah. the same thing in whispers. And it's like, yeah, this is a man who used to be a soldier. Like he, you know, he just kind of like, he has this attitude of, I just need to get this done and I'm going to get this done. And I want to go yeah. home to my wife. And, you know, Bashir for him, his life is Starfleet. His life is his career. And so that could be another reason why these two don't get along very well as, you know, as well, because Bashir's at the very beginning of his career. Bashir's very young. O'Brien yeah. is not. And they're just at very different places in their lives. And so, and frankly, I think that, that O'Brien, 
I, I don't think that he dislikes anybody he works with, but we don't ever really see them socializing with him that much. He's just not, you know, Bashir isn't who, again, it's, at, I mean, at the very end, it makes it clear when he's with Keiko and, you know, Bashir, and obviously, yes, Bashir and O'Brien have had a bond and maybe they'll chat a little bit more, but at the end of the day, he still just wants to spend his time with his wife and his kid, you know, he doesn't really need you know in a way there aren't any more slots open in o'brien's life you know he has right. you know uh, uh keiko is his wife his best friend you know and she's you know 90 percent of his social interaction that he needs and again molly's the remaining 10 percent, and that's about it you know um yeah. and i think you know it does give a different context to because we see bashir is you know while he's had this well, he's, he pines over Dax from time to time, you know, that for the most part has fallen past a bit. But, um, you know, Thankfully. we, yeah, um, in this episode, you know, he kind of contextualizes, his, you know, the fact that he's always got a different, you know, he, he is similar enough to Riker in that, you know, both Riker and Bashir really love women. They like going out with different women, you know, they enjoyed it and. You know, with Riker, it was definitely, well, that's because the Enterprise, you know, is, you know, my wife and, you know, this is my career and this is what I do. And, you know, if I have a little, if I have time for a little fun, that's fine. And we think of Bashir as that in this episode, he kind of makes it clear that he had his love of his life in a way and he had to give it up. And so he can't really date Sirius. Do you know what I mean? Like that, um, there yeah, is, I, dating I, seriously I, I, isn't on the radar for him. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know how much of that really rings true because, of course, Bashir is still very young, and you know, yeah, I mean, of course, of course, the love of your life when you're, you know, twenty is not necessarily certainly <laughs> going to affect you for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, I mean that that, but that's really, I think that shows Bashir's, you know, lack of maturity and naivete in well. a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, O'Brien's kind of looking at him, and O'Brien is, you know, probably I don't know, ten, fifteen years older than yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Bashir and he's kind of patting him on the head and he's saying, yeah, you'll figure it out, kid, you know, and, and that's yeah, fine. But that's it, you know, and Bashir is going to have his fun while he, you know, he's gathering his rosebuds while he may. And at some point in, you know, a late season, maybe he'll meet somebody and start to settle down. But, you know, that's not this time for this. And, you know, if if O'Brien were in a position to be Bashir's drinking buddy and you know they could get you know if they were both single men in their 20s maybe they would have a very different relationship but you know that's not what O'Brien wants what they want is you know very different things yeah yeah exactly well they're just at different ports you know different different, different points of their lives yeah and you know I think that's you know and O'Brien seems to be of the opinion that that's okay you know I think Bashir you know feels like that's a problem he is trying a little too he does try a little too hard with o'brien you know and i think that yeah that you know out of everything that's where o'brien's annoyance comes from well yeah but at the end of the day of course it's not just o'brien i mean we've you know, yeah <laughs> bashir, bashir bashir tries too hard with everybody yeah <laughs> but you know at but also at the end of the day everybody does recognize that you know when push comes to shove, he is going to save all the ambassadors. He is going to, yeah. you know, come up with a solution for this problem. You know, he is he is a very good doctor. You know, everyone's just, he is a lot of, if he is just a lot of potential, they know in five, ten years he's going to be fulfilling that. So they just really yeah. need to wait for him to grow up. I think we should move on to Whispers. Let's. 
this is a much better episode than Armageddon game. Yeah. It's much more tightly written. I think yeah. it holds your interest through the entire episode. The twist is if you don't know what's coming, I mean, well, my I last, the just... last line I wrote in my notes was holy shit. So yeah, I was about to say, I mean, where, <laughs> where did you think this episode was going? And when we got to the I... end of it, how did you feel? <laughs> I, I, it re- it knocked me on its ass, but in a way that was very good. I mean, again, this is one where we, you know, this isn't completely that different from, you know, the alien bugs worms are t- you know g- g- taking over everyone's mind we've seen plots like that in star trek you know we've seen it could have been something like that it could have been he's trapped in a holodeck simulation you know for this he's there could have been you know this is you know at this point in star trek anything could really have been the case and it does a really good job of misdirecting us to say well this is really o'brien and something else is happening what's happening to everybody else and you know, this is an episode that I think does make a, you know, would be really interesting. I have, I didn't have time to watch it a second time before, you know, recording today, but it would have been interesting to see it knowing the twist because a lot of the scenes make a lot more sense. You know, the whole, you know, Keiko's weirdness towards O'Brien, you know, makes complete sense when you realize, you know, she, this isn't really her husband, you know, and she's terrified and a little creeped out by him, you know, the, when you everybody's, you know, suddenly changing is because they, you know, not because something random, ha- you know, something happened to them, but because they were told, look, that's not really O'Brien, you know? Um, right. But it's the, ep- because the episode focuses so tightly on him, you know, we are swept up in his paranoia. Um, I, what I really liked about this episode is, yeah, nobody acts very different, you know? This is only, we only realize that something's up because we know these characters very well at this point. You know, they're not acting completely different. It's just something a little off and just enough to make everybody question what's what is going on here. And and what I like about this episode is that it does a great job of using O'Brien as an unreliable narrator and is sort of, yeah. you know, everything that they're doing is colored by the the what what do they call him a replicant which is kind of an interesting term to use uh the replicant o'brien you know he's obviously he thinks he's o'brien they're acting strange and so it's sort of like this feedback loop of of strangeness you know to the point where he thinks his wife is trying to poison him. yeah and again that's you know obviously we know from that you know from the end of the episode no it wasn't poison it was particularly you know she was maybe being very nice to this replicant so he would, you know, he would stay at arm's length from her. But Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I mean, I would not eat uh, fricando stew because it looks like vomit, but... Uh... <laughs> it might be vomit. Have you ever uh, eaten Irish food? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... it's. I like that. I think that, you know, the, the Keiko stuff is particularly interesting, I think, because, you know, all of the other characters, you know, Cisco and we see... Odo a- interacting with Odo, with uh, O'Brien a lot, you know, are, are kind of being kept at arm's length from him in a way. You know, they do have to deal with him and they sort of have to like humor him. And, you know, you can see everybody sort of like subtly directing O'Brien in yeah. certain ways. But Keiko and, has to live with this thing. You yeah. know, I mean, she's really creeped out by it. And I think that, you know, that first scene where O'Brien wakes up and, you know, he's kind of like, why are you guys awake? What are you doing? You know, why are you taking Molly off to school? Is this room about to explode? Like, what what yeah. is happening here? You know, and there's a there's an urgency and a sense of 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 
foreboding to the entire episode that makes it feel really, really interesting, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that scene, you know, what, what, what I thought was, you know, the scene with Bashir when he's going through, you know, when you have a body snatcher plot and you're being, you know, told you need to come for a, for an ex, for an examination, you know, you're wondering what he's going to do to him and, you know, saying stuff like, you know, how he, you know, the thing about his mother being dead, you know, and all like that. Obviously, that's, you know, Bashir trying to test this replicant to see if his memory is yet still intact. But, right. you know, it comes off at, you know, Bashir, if anybody would know everything about O'Brien's life because he kind of hero worships him a little bit. Um, and you know, the fact that he doesn't, re- you know, all of these things are off and, and of course that works in the other way too, because Bashir not remembering or pretending not to remember that O'Brien's mother is dead yeah. is, is feeding into the replicant O'Brien's pa- yeah. paranoia about what is going on here. Yeah. Or little things like the thing about Jake's grades, you know, when Jake doesn't know about this yet and, you know, suddenly he's sick and then, you know, he won't come and, you know, he's not getting help on his project anymore, you know? And did they get to Jake, you know, it's yeah. I, and I think that, you know, the, 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 the one thing about the episode that it, it, you know, the end of it is just so striking because yeah. you think it's going in a certain direction. And then the very end of it, you've got these two aliens that are kind of like, Hey, wait a second. Uh, everything will be cool. Just Don't worry. Open O'Brien the door, go out. in the room. We'll explain everything. And even till that point, you're thinking, what are they going to do to him? <laughs> Right, right. And then it it's, you know, it, it works so well because it turns on a dime as soon as you see the other O'Brien command and he's a little beaten up and you, you know, suddenly they don't have to say anything. Like I think that's what I like about the yeah. episode the most is that, you know, this is an episode that respects the, 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 the viewer's intelligence and it doesn't feed you, spoon feed you all the information you need. You know, you really have to keep up with this episode in a way. And they don't ever come right out and say, this is the real O'Brien and, you know, it's sort of like they kind of let you figure it out and then they tell you what's going on, but they let you figure it out. And, and I like that about it, that it's, it's, it keeps you on your toes. I think for the entire time that you're watching it, you know, this was all a plot episode. This was all about the twist, you know, but in a way that was very respectful, that was clued very well, um, that, you know, sometimes a star Trek can be a weird science fiction premise, uh, you know, that's kind of a paranoid, you know, conspiracy thriller. And, you know, that it, I would say that this is a, you know, this episode isn't trying to do as much as Armageddon Game was trying to do, but this is a lot more successful at that than Armageddon Game was. Well, yeah, because I think that, you know, uh, TNG was a show that could get away with doing certain different types of things as well. And, that obviously took a long time for the show to, to yeah. develop the the sort of confidence to to pull that off. I mean, if you look back at the second season of TNG and compare it with the second season of DS9, while there are some problems with the second season of DS9, and while it's not as interesting, it's you know feels kind of flat in some ways. They're also using a lot of the confidence from TNG in the sense that they're able to do different types of episodes and feel okay about it. Because, you know, really there's nothing, there's really nothing that sci-fi about this, uh, you know, until the very end. And, you know, maybe you couldn't tell this kind of story on NCI or whatever, but it's still not the kind of story that that Star Trek typically tells. And so I think it's, it stands out all the more for that. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Are there like wacky crackpot theories that the O'Brien that died was actually the real O'Brien and the quote unquote real O'Brien is another replicant that they put in and that, you know, now he's infiltrated the ship? I mean, maybe (laughs) I don't. I don't really know. I would. I'll put it to you this way: I wouldn't be surprised if there are fan theories about if I go on TV shows that I'll happens find in that, Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, um, but you know, and certainly that's that's a possibility. I guess. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I you know, it's funny because I like the fact you know we we kind of criticize Armageddon Game for for not explaining a lot of stuff, and in this episode, you know, it's the exact opposite because it it's to a different purpose. I mean, they don't really explain a lot of what the the Paradins are yeah. doing they don't really explain how they were able to make this replicant they you know they leave a lot of questions unanswered because of course this is a perfect duplicate of O'Brien you know they don't really answer is this biological is this some sort of robot you know it it, it passes a, a, a an insanely detailed medical screening yeah. by Bashir you know he has all of this knowledge and yet you know, they, they don't go into the fact of, of, of how this alien species could actually do this. And I think it's 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 OK not to. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. We, uh, you know, what what matters is the fact that, you know, as O'Brien says at the end, you know, the real O'Brien, you know, well, if it were me, I would be figuring this out. I would be trying. And he basically briefly outlines everything that, you know, Replicant O'Brien ended up doing. And, you know, the fact that he does Replicant O'Brien ends up, you know, saying Keiko's name as he's dying is a extraordinarily, you know, touching and sad way to end this episode because, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, he he does love Keiko as much as the real O'Brien loves Keiko, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's just like, and that raises a lot of, of questions. I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, with Second Chances from, from yeah. what, the sixth season of, of TNG with the, the duplicate of Riker and, you know, does this have the same rights and responsibilities and, you know, all of these kind of really neat yeah. questions. And, you know, there there's a different version of this episode where that's kind of the focus of the episode. And, of course, they're not interested in telling that story. Yeah, I mean, he's rather conveniently shot and killed at the end, you know, getting all of the, you know, any angst that O'Brien has will be off camera, you know, and he and Keiko are going to have a very long conversation that night, you know, and try to unpack this. But yeah, that's not the point of what this episode was, you know, and if we want to have those questions, we can watch Second Chances again, you know. This one had a much more interesting plot than, and frankly, you know, oddly enough, having those kind of questions would have taken away from the plot, which I think would have made it a weaker episode, oddly enough. Well, yeah, because I think that 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 you need you need the unreliable narrator of, of yeah. the replicant O'Brien. You know, you need it to feel very claustrophobic. You need it to focus on O'Brien to to you know you can't you can't cut away to the other characters because they're going to yeah. be standing around having conversations like, "What do you think the fake O'Brien's doing?" Well, <laughs> I don't know, guys. You know, like you can't do that, and so it it really does funnel everything into this uh, uh, sense of of yeah. conspiracy and paranoia. I mean, I have to be honest, you know, when I the I looked at the when when he gets onto the planet, it's like the literally the last four minutes of the episode. And that includes the final credits. So I really was wondering, well, how can they possibly, you know, resolve this in two minutes? And then they do. And just very deftly, you know, and yeah, it, again, the answering what was going on answers all the mysteries of this episode in a very satisfying way, you know. I yeah. guess this, yeah, this was one of those episodes where 
you know, when they reveal the solution, everything odd about the episode clicks into place. Yeah, absolutely. It, and, you know, it, it's funny because you mentioned about how we, we know that all of these characters are acting slightly strangely because we know these characters by this point. And I agree yeah. with you. I think that we do know these characters by this point. Uh, but but I do remember from the first season, Dramatis Personae, which I felt didn't work because at that point in the show is when I don't know that we 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 knew the characters to the extent that we do now, you know, because we've got basically, I don't know, like, like, you know, 15 or 16 more episodes of, 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 uh, character development to really focus on. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's also, I think a testament, this episode is a testament to the fact that, you know, while the, while the show is having some growing pains, it, it is able to, to improve on a similar storyline from the first season and do a much better yeah. job with it. Yeah. And it turns, yeah, and again, the way for that, it turns out, is just to everybody is under an unusual form of stress right now, you know, or reacting to something naturally as they would. And, you know, in a way that is completely within all of their characters, you know, the way that Keiko reacts to the fake O'Brien is not not Keiko. It is, it, that is how she legitimately would react to this. That is how Bashir would react to this. That is how Cisco would, you know, feel about this, you know, and yeah. And I think that, you know, you know, we, the other thing that's really interesting about this episode is that, you know, we're left with the question of how, how Brian is going to feel about all this, of course, because we don't actually spend any time yeah. with the real O'Brien at all. And so everything that we're being told in this episode, everything that we are, experiencing is through the eyes of the replicant o'brien which they're yeah. we're told is exactly how o'brien would react and o'brien even says that at the end of the episode he says yeah probably i'd be here trying to figure out what yeah. was going on and so we're left with the question of you know wh what is the difference between the two and you know if if the real o'brien is back i mean i don't i assume he is i don't think yeah. that he's not you know, how, how is this going to impact his relationships with everybody and how is he going to be able to move on from this? You know, that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting questions that the episode kind of leaves on the table, but I think that that's okay because yeah, I don't know that the show is ready to deal with a multi-part arc about O'Brien repairing his relationship with everybody. And frankly, this is still Star Trek. And so I don't think that it is going to affect his relationship. Not with drastically. I mean, O'Brien himself, you know, again, is going to have some weird philosophical, you know, ideas about this. But at the same time, O'Brien as a person is not a deep thinker in that kind of a sense. Like, I yeah. don't, you know, this is not, he he's not the kind of person who is going to be thinking about, you know, well, you know, what is the difference between the clone and myself? And, you know, what is the self? You know, that's not who he is. You know, Keiko knows, that, you know, all Keiko will know, you know, Keiko is going to do this as she had some kind of being that looked and acted like her husband, but wasn't her husband, and her husband is back. And frankly, everybody else was, you know, is far enough away and professionally enough away that I think that's how they're going to view this. They're, you know, they, frankly, I don't think anybody else realizes the extent to which Replicant O'Brien was O'Brien in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're going to think of him, again, as, as a shell that looked like O'Brien, talked like O'Brien, you know, was genetically identical to O'Brien, but was not O'Brien and was a weird monster creation. Well, you know, and that, that actually partially answers a question that I had about the episode, which is why did Keiko feel it was necessary to tell Molly that this wasn't actually her father? You know, because I think that, that 
you know, the argument could be made that Molly is, I don't know, two years old or something. Yeah. And so she doesn't really have the mental capability well, to really understand that. it's ambiguous that. if she did or not because, you know, yeah, she says, you know, go away, I hate you or whatever, you know. But as, as Keiko points out, that is a phase, you know. <laughs> Kids do yeah, go through that kind true. of thing. And, you know – she could, you know, all, all all Keiko could have said was, you know, we're waking up really early today and you're coming to school with me, you know, and don't tell daddy. It's, a, you know, like, and, and who knows in her, you know, little mind what it would have been, you know? And I guess that does raise the question of, of, of you know, again, O'Brien is an unreliable narrator. So, you know, his his daughter going through a phase like that maybe played up in his mind a little bit because of everything yeah. else he thinks is going on as well. Yeah, exactly. On any other day, he wouldn't take a, you know, he would, you know, be a little glum about it. But, you know, it wouldn't. It's one of a chain of weird things of evidence that he sees, you know. So, yeah, out of con- yeah. again, out of context, it may mean nothing to him. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, this is probably one of the, you know, one of the best episodes of the, of the second season so far, you know, I don't know that there's much else to say about it because it is very plot heavy, but yeah, it's a, it's a solid effort. Well, if you would like to share your thoughts on this episode, please do so on the post for this podcast at trekaboutshow.com. If you have any weird theories, we would love to hear them. Yes, please write us a long fanfic about the fake O'Brien being the real O'Brien, being the fake O'Brien, solving mysteries. <laughs> oh my God, no. So the fake O'Brien doesn't actually die. He gets, like, repaired. But, like, the real O'Brien and the fake O'Brien, like, have a pact and they, like, switch off. So that way they can be everywhere at once. I think you should write this. I don't want to. That's fair. I wouldn't want you to write it, actually. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at twitter.com slash truckaboutshow. Like us on Facebook for all of our Facebook updates at facebook.com slash truckaboutshow. Follow us on Instagram, username truckaboutshow. Seeing a pattern here. And finally, please leave us a positive five-star iTunes review. It is the best way for new fans to find the show. And as an added bonus... We will read your screen name, not your real name, because we don't know your real name, unless you use it as your iTunes screen name, and your comment on the air. Do they still call them screen names? I thought that was an AOL thing. I would assume they did. Uh, What else are they going to call them? Handles. Okay, we can call them that. Next week, we are talking about Paradise and Shadow Play. Ooh. We'll see you then.